<clears throat> Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Tonight we're learning Maseches Sukkah Daf Yud Gimel. We're starting five lines down, and today we're going to uh, overstretch just a little bit. We're going to go about a third of the way down on Yud Dalad um, which will be helpful because tomorrow we will not have Shir um, in person or on Zoom. I'm going to pre-record and post before the Shir time. I have to go to my uh, my boss's weddings, my boss's son's wedding in somewhere in New York, in Newark. So I won't be here, but I will pre-record. Um, and that would be Wednesday. And then uh, on Thursday, a number of people had shared a wonderful idea that uh, on Thursdays between now and Rosh Hashanah, just over the next five, six weeks, that we should uh, try and gain a little bit of chizuk in addition to our regular learning. And they spoke with Rabbi Robinson, who agreed on a weekly basis that we would do Daf on Thursday nights at someone's home. Everyone is, is welcome to host. Please just let me know. No problem. If you want to host, you can. We don't need you to, but you're welcome to. We would learn Daf Yomi and Daven Marv and Rabbi Robinson will be there to share Diva Chizuk as we prepare uh, for the month of Elul and the Yom Emil Raim. Uh, so that will take place this Thursday is by Avi Stein. Um, and there are plenty of dates open. This is open for everyone. Please, of course, uh, feel free to reach out and let me know. Um, you don't have to RSVP, but there will be no Dafiomi those nights here. We'll That's still do Zoom. Location. Best location. Uh, there will still be Zoom uh, live for those who aren't able to make it in person as usual. Um, and for tonight, let's get started. So we're five lines down on uh, on Dafiyod Gimel And uh, yesterday, perfect. Yesterday, we were learning uh, about a rabbinic injunction called Zeras Otsar where a person might inadvertently take their schach and uh, maybe put it, uh, it was not really schach, it's hay, it's all up in a bundle. And the concern was that you would end up putting it with one intention, which is just to store it or dry it out. And then you change your mind to use it, which is a psul. So there's a rabbinic injunction of not even using that schach, even when you specifically intend for it to be used for sukkah. And today, we're going to be qualifying a lot of that uh, over the course of this first amud. And toward the bottom of the of Yud Gimel Amud Beis, we're going to get into a complex sugya about whether our machshava, our intentions, can undo our previous intentions. So by way of example, if I intend when I cut fruit that I want it to be for fruit, so that's food, so that means it's, it's, it's going to be makabal tumah. Can I then change my intentions with machshava to say, no, no, I don't want it to be fruit, I want it to be schachna. Am I allowed to do that and undo the status of makabal tumah back to being not makabal tumah, therefore viable for schach? So let's get started. Here we go. Omar of Gidal, Omar Rab. Hi, Akusa de Dikla. There were these, uh, there are these branches around palm trees that grow very low to the ground, almost like a thicker vine. It is a wood material, and it is a vine that has branches that comes off of it as well. So we want to know: Can this be used for schach? So the halacha is, says the Gemara, behu af al gav de agidi, and we're allowed to use this for schach, even though. Uh, even though it's all connected as one unit. Well, if it's all coming from one branch, and let's say there's five spokes of this branch, five branches that come off of the main branch of the root, so we, we, why wouldn't we say this is a problem of Eged? Remember, that was the whole concern of Gzeras Otsar. So the Gemara says this is not a concern of Gzeras Otsar because Eged bide shamayim lo shmei Eged. If something is naturally bound up, that's not the same thing as you creating a bundle of straw. When man creates a bundle of straw, we have the concern of Xeras Otsar. When a Kaddish Baruch Hu creates a branch that has many branches to it, that's not a problem of Eged. And not only that, says the Gemara, and even if at the other end, let's say you start at one end, you're holding one, uh, one piece of wood. And then every six inches, there's another branch that comes out. It's flowered over everywhere. There, there's so much wood everywhere. 
even if you tie the far end together to make it more usable for schach, says the Gemara, that's not a problem either. Even if you end up tying the far side so that it's a little more contained, uh, a ponytail of sorts, and uh, then agad bechad lo it's still considered to be one piece of wood. And when when a person does, when a person is me'aged, the the loose end of one piece of wood, one piece of wood on this end, 10 branches on the far end, but you combine them on the far side, that's not considered to be a problem of Eged and it is not subject <coughs> to the concerns of Gzeras Otsar. Eight lines down. Amar Avina Bar Shila. Hani Dokre Dekani. There's a bundle of reeds. Misachachin Bahu. You're allowed to, uh, to, to use that for schach. Similar construct. It's reeds in that there is one starting point and it branches out to many other. And Afal Gav who Even though all of them are, are combined in a way, they're all connected to the mother branch, but still, Eged Bide Shamaim Lo Eged. If a Kaddish Baruch Hu is the one who puts these things together, then that's not considered Eged and there's no triggering of Xeras Otsar. 12 lines down, and even if one were to tie together that one branch, where on the far side there are many branches so that it's more contained, same as before, it's still considered only one branch. And in fact, these two Amurayim have a brisa to match their shitas. Tanya Nami Hachi, the Brisa writes, Kanim Bahen. When you have reeds and when you have poles, you're allowed to use them for schach. So the Gemara is very, very bothered by this Brisa. Kanim, of course you could use reeds. Reeds aren't food. They're 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 not makabotum and they're gidulamina karka. It's literally the formula. So why would you say what, what's the, why do you have to say anything? Kanim Pshita says the Gemara, and the Gemara responds, you misunderstood the Brisa, or you actually had the wrong text of the Brisa. Ema, what should the Brisa say? Not Kanim Vidokranim, but Kanim Sheldokranim. When you have a reed with many branches, Mesachachin behind the same as the previous two halachos. One third of the way down, you'd give them an aleph. We just learned a halacha in the name of Ravina Bar Shila, and we're going to learn another halacha in the name of, Rav, of Ravina Bar Shila, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with Masecha Sukkah. Consider this your break for the day. And Eged is tying everything together. So our concern yesterday when we were talking about Gzeras Otsar is if you take, let's say, 50 twigs and you wrap them up in a bundle so that the, the Chachamim had a concern that you cannot make that as schach out of concern that you might have the wrong intentions when you first put it there to not be schach and change your mind and then it's tasa velomina asut. So that's what Eged is, is binding everything together there. So the Gemara here says another halacha from Rav Chizda in the name of Ravina Barshila. The Amar Rav Chizda, Amar Ravina Barshila, Hani Marisa de Agma Maror Maror for Pesach. This Gemara should be found. I believe it was found in some frame. It's ringing a bell, but not distinctly. Uh, the, if the Maror that's found de Agma that's found on water, Adam Yotzei Bahen Yedechovasa BePesach. Now, of course, the only reason we're quoting this is because it's the same Amora. So sometimes the Gemara does that for structural pur purposes and for memory purposes, is that once the Gemara is in the mode of talking about an Amora, they may quote a numerous of his a numerous of his shita so that we have everything clear in front of us. Anyways, he it's says that huh? an Agma, yeah, it's a collection of water, a lake or a swamp. It's a, a body of water. An Agam is a, is a river or a lake, yeah. So he says that with Marurisa de Agma, that you can fulfill the mitzvah of Maror. Says the Gemara Mesve, hold on one second, the Brisa has a very hard, very hard time with this, not from the world of Maror, but from another area of halacha altogether. Says the Gemara Ezov, this is quoted from the Pasukulakartem, Agudas Ezovutvaltem Badam Asher Basaf, and this is talking about Para Aduma, and you need to use an Ezov, something made out of the Hissa branch, below Ezov Yavan, it has to be pure Ezov, it can't be Ezov from Greece, 
below Azov Kuchli, it can't be blue. Below Azov Midbari, it can't be wild Azov. Below Azov Romi, below Azov Sheyeshlo Shem Lavoy. It can't be any other type of Azov. It has to be Azov pure and true. And if it has an accompanying descriptive name to it, then you cannot use it for Azov. By extension, the Gemara is saying Marur should be the same way. Why are you saying that the Marurisa de Agma can be, it should be pure Marur, just like Azov has to be pure and true without a descriptive name of where it's from or what it looks like. Marur should be the same. So Marurisa de Agma, Rav Chizda says in the name of Ravina Barshila that you can use Marurisa de Agma. Why doesn't it have the same rules of Azov where no accompanying names should be there? So answers the Gemara halfway down on your Gimel Amad Aleph Omar Abaye, if there was something that existed before Matan Torah, and then the Torah came along and said, no, not that, this. So for example, if there was before the Torah came along, Azov Kuchli, there was a blue type of hyssop, whatever it is. And then the Torah comes along and uses the pure and true phrase of just Azov, then of course that's correct. Then the Torah is coming to correct the wrong of thinking that Azov Kuchli is a viable option for Paraduma. It's not. But when we talk about Moror, there's no such thing as it's not even the whole thing is so what are we even talking about? So the Gemara is not concerned about that at all and therefore uh, that validates the Shita of Rav Chizda in the name of Ravina Barshila that Marurisa de Agma even though it has a descriptive name for two different reasons the Gemara presents that that Moror is kosher. The Gemara presents another reason here, Rava Amar, Hani Marur no, it's not called Marurisa de Agma because like, like that's its genus, you know, like when, when we were learning uh, like about trees and stuff and animals when I was in bio. Okay, like they have these formal, this isn't a formal name. It's called Marurisa de Agma because it's Mar that happens to be in the water. It's not a, it's just Maror. It just happens to be located in the water. That's what the Gemara says here. The high de Karile Marurisa de Agma here in our Gemara where there's a descriptor in that it says that it's Marisa de Agma of the water. That's not because it's its title, but rather Mishum de Mishtakach Agma. It's just uh, giving its location, the fish in the pond. It's not the name of the fish, it's the location of the fish. So Marisa de Agma, that is considered to be acceptable for, uh, for Maru. Two thirds of the way down, Amar of Chizda. Agad Bechad. If you have one piece of wood with even with many branches and you bind up one of those ends, you you're them, you bind them all up. Everyone agrees that is not problematic as it relates to schach. There's no of otsar. Everything is wonderful. And if you had three pieces of wood, shlosha, three separate pieces of wood, and you bound them together, everyone would agree that that does break the threshold. And one would be uh, in violation of the rabbinic injunction of gzeras otsar if they put that on their schach. If they put that up as even if that was their specific intention. Shnaim, what if you only had two pieces of wood and then you bound them together? Would we say Shmei Eged that it's problematic for Xeras Otsar because it looks like a it looks like a bundle of, of, of straw? Or would we say Lo Shmei Eged? No, 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 no. Still, it's it's like only one piece. We're trying to figure this out. We had a similar display of numbers in regards to hair. 
by chatzitza. Remember, we said one hair is definitely a chatzitza. Three hairs is definitely not a chatzitza. Shtaim eni yodev. So here we have a similar construct. One piece of wood that you tie up, that's not a problem. Three pieces of wood you tie up, that's definitely a problem. Two, so instead of saying eni yodev, like we did by the hair, here the Gemara says, shnayim machlokes rab yosi Where do we see the machlokes of rab yosi Not by sukkah, but back to the world of Ezo from the world of para aduma ditnan. The Mishnah writes, mitzvahs it's three stalks with three branches from the stalks. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi was of the opinion, it really is appropriate to have three branches, but it's okay if there's two left over. The Gardumov and the stump of this particular hyssop branch, that's kolshu, any amount would be fine. So then that, that seems to be our machlokas, that according to the Tanakama, we have a mitzvah for three. Uh, that's the, the way to do it. And according to Rabbi Yossi, it's okay even if it's two. So that, that was exactly our machlokes uh, that we were discussing. So let's analyze this machlokes a little bit. We're about eight, nine lines from the bottom of Yud Gimel Amir Aleph. Says the Gemara, Kasal Kadaitin, it seems from here, Midashirio Shnayim, that since according to Rabbi Yossi, that if one of the branches of the Ezo fell off, that he says it's still kosher, it implies that that even if you started out that way, it would still work, even if it's not great, even if it's not ideal, but it should still work at a minimum because if one of the branches fell off, even if you started with three, it's kosher. So certainly, it should certainly work. Maybe Rabiosi is of the opinion that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mitzvah to make the to make the Ezo nice, to pick a good Ezo. But at the end of the day, even if there's only two branches coming off of the of it would still be kosher. And if that's true, if according to Rabbi Yossi, the three branches of the Ezo are considered to be a mitzvah, but not a requirement that implies about his counterpart, about his dissenting opinion of the Rabbanan, the Rabbanan, it would then imply that shlosha is la'akev, that they hold that three branches on the Azov are le'ikuva. And this describes our machlokas, as mentioned, about whether or not two is considered to be okay or not okay. So says the Gemara, that's a problem. V'hatanya, six lines from the bottom, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, you just wanted to paint Rabbi Yossi in saying that three branches is a mitzvah, but not a requirement. But V'hatanya, the Brisa writes, Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Ezo, if you have the hissa branch, Tchilaso Shnayim, Bishirio Echad Pasel, that if you start with two and you, and two branches on the on the Ezo, and then one falls off and you're left with one, it's going to be Pasel. But this Brisa says in, in its end that the only time it will be kosher is if you start with three and then end with two. So that seems to say that really three is le'ikuba. You have to start with three. And if you don't start with three, it's not kosher. But our previous version, our previous understanding of Rabiosi is that he seemed to have said that it's not le'ikuva, but it's only le'mitzvah. So we have a stira. We have a stira in our understanding of the machlokes and an explicit b'risa, which says the opposite. So then the Gemara says, as is common when we have a machlokes within shitas and tanoim that don't match, epuch, we need to switch them around. Epuch from the word lehefech, the opposite. We flip the shitas. We might have thought initially that Rabbi Yossi was of the opinion that the three branches was a mitzvah, not le'ikuva. But the next b'risa showed us with clarity that really Rabbi Yossi held that it was le'ikuva. So the Gemara says, yeah, yeah, you got it right. Our, our impression of the first Mishnah that we learned was incorrect, and the b'risa is actually correct. Epuch, the Rabbi Yossi, shlosha le'akev, and le'rabbanon, shlosha le'mitzvah. And this, in fact, makes sense, because we have another 
another brisa. So remember always the word vahatanya is, can sometimes be very confusing. We've already had it a couple of times today where vahatanya was a question. Here the word vahatanya, Rashi, Rashi's five lines from the bottom of the page. Rashi says vahatanya, dibramasla vahatanya binichusa. Sometimes the vahatanya is not a kasha. It's there to support you. And this is one of those. So says the Gemara, it must be that our, our new approach is correct, that according to Rabbi Yossi, three branches of the Azov is Le'ikuva, that's Me'akev, and Le'rabonon, three is a mitzvah, but not Me'akev, Hatanya Benichusa, in the words of Rashi. And I can show you a brisa that supports this, that says as follows, Azov, Tchila, so Shnayim, if you start with two, Vishir Yo Echad, and only one is left over, Kasher, Ve'eno Pasel, Achi, Hei Tchila, so Vishir Yo Echad, Ve'horaya, we can see that there is such a sheet of the Rabbonon, that three is only a mitzvah, but it's not a requirement. But there's a stira within this brisa. This really is a tangential point, but the Gemara is going to deal with it anyways. Let's look back at this brisa three lines from the bottom. We said two seemingly different things. We said in regards to the Ezov, that if you start with two and end with one, that it's kosher. And then at the end of the brisa, we said that it's going to be puzzle if you, uh, if you start with one and end with one. So that's a stira in that in the ratio of this price, it seemed to say that if you end with one, it's kosher. And in the safe, it says if you end with one, it's not kosher. So is ending with one kosher or not kosher? So the Gemara says, Shir yo echad pasal. How can you say that having only one branch of the Azov left over is puzzle? After all, Ha'amr is yo echad kosher in the same price of the whole thing's only two lines, and you, you had a built-in contradiction. So the answer should be relatively obvious. Top of Yudgimelam and Aleph. Ella says the Gemara, <laughs> Ema, what the Bryce should say is that when something is puzzle, is if you start and end with the same number, if you only start with one branch on the Ezo for the Paraduma, that's problematic. But according to the Brisa within the sheet of the Rabbanon, then it would be appropriate and fine to start the Azov with instead of three. Three is a mitzvah, two is a minimum requirement. And if one of those two falls off, then the Rabbanon would say that it's still kosher. And that brings us to the end of that uh, small sugya on the Azov. But again, to answer the question of, uh, to answer the question that we were dealing with about what do we, what do we define as Egid? One, two, or three. So one is definitely not Eged, three is definitely Eged, and two is a Machlokas in the Tanai. On the top of Yud Gimel Bez on the second line, says the Gemara, let's look again at other types of bundles and how. let's see how that compares to Gzeras Otsar. Dorash Meremar, Hani Asuraisa Desura. There were this particular bundles of twigs or sticks in Surah. The halacha is Mesachachin Behu Afal Gavda Agdan. One is allowed to make Schach out of that, even though there's Eged. Why? Why would that be allowed? That's a classic case of Xeras Otsar. It's for sure more than three. You have a whole stack of, let's say, 20 pieces of wood. So sometimes when I uh, go to Jewel outside, they have all of the firewood wrapped up in plastic. It's like grabbing one of those and sticking it on your sukkah. That's more than three. And three is problematic. So what does this mean? How, how can you have the, uh, the Isuraisa Desura? You have a whole bundle of twigs. How does that work? So the Gemara gives a preclusion to something three or above to having more than three things in one egged, says the Gemara, the only reason why they were put the egged, why they were tied up, was because they're being sold in a specific amount. So my wife, when she makes chicken soup, she puts leeks in the soup. You ever buy leeks from Jewel, you'll find that they're always rubber banded, three in a group, but they sell them by the pound. 
right? So I always take out one. I only need two. And that's mutter by mutter, no problem. But let's say that they were selling them by the bundle, right? If you're buying something by the bundle, then you can't take it out of the rubber band. But what's the point of the rubber band? Because this is how we sell it. It's not that we care that they're bundled up. It's just to identify what's being sold at what price. So the Isuraisa de Sura, the only reason it was tied up that way was Liminyana to tell us what the actual number of pieces per bundle at its cost should be. And therefore, that's not considered a problem of Xeras Otsar. So even though it's true that three or more items that are bundled together would be a problem of Eget, it's not true if the reason that they're bundled is to have a count. And that would be a preclusion here. And then says the Gemara, similarly, Amar Rabbi Abba, Hanit de Urbani. There were these types of um, containers that were for Urbani that were for catching birds. If they go into your mind's eye, we've probably seen this in history books, encyclopedias, movies, where you'll see like a bird's uh, cage that's made out of twigs. And the twigs all come up to the middle and they're tied with some twine. And then the remaining twigs just kind of stick out at the top. So it looks kind of like a, like a dome, but it's all made out of reeds, like, you know, 20 reeds coming up from the sides, wider at the bottom, tapered at the top, conical, a little bit like the shape of a dome. And then the twigs come out the other side. So that's what we're talking about here. Hani Tzrife de Urbani. As long as you untie at the top, if you untie at the top where all of the twigs come together in that little ponytail shape at the top, so then that is considered uh, viable. That's considered kosher for schaf. You can throw it up on top of your sukkah. Let me just finish the din and then I'll take your question. Hi, asks the Gemara. But the only reason that this thing took shape is because all of the 20 twigs at the bottom, there was a weave of thread around all of those 20 things to give it its shape. So even if you untie the top, the bottom is still tied. It's still begging. So how can you say it's kosher for schach? It should trigger the Isser Derabanan of Gzeras Otsar. So to answer this question, the Gemara says as follows. Omar uh, Papa, you did untie it. But it was not actually removed. It was untied, but the, the rope was still there. Even if you don't untie it, another very important principle that if what's making the, if the reason why the tie is there was not to be able to carry it, that's not considered a tie. It's only when you tie things up in order to carry it. Text. So it's anything tied up. Even if it was tied up, it's not for the silver problem. Unless you have the exclusions that we've learned that the reason why it's tied up is in order to have a certain number of pieces tied up because it's being sold like that. Or this exclusion that we just learned right now, that if it's not tied up in order to carry it that way, right? Those are the two exclusions. Otherwise, yes. So let's say you're driving down the highway, you buy a bundle of hay. So no, that was a, that's a bundle of hay. That's Xeras Otsar. You cannot put that on your schach, even if you sit there with all the kavanas of the Arizal and building your so it doesn't make a difference. Xeras Otsar, you're not allowed to use it. Roll like the bamboos? Yeah. That's a great, so we spoke about this the other day that uh, there's a shile in the post game, Rabbi. First was Mekil on the ones that are sold at Home Depot. I have like eight of them in my house. They're pretty thin, so I double layered them. But all of the wires have come off the side. So that, that the haraya, the only reason that it's there is to make sure that the pieces don't fall. It's not there to carry it. It's just to make sure that up there on your sukkah, just to make sure that they don't fall. So he was matir, those particular ones. 
is that, is it better or worse? I don't know. Rabbi First was Matir. It's not a he just was straight up about it. So yeah, that does that does play in right here. This is the sugya, the Mishnah on the previous Amud, and this sugya is the sugya about what what should we do with bamboo. We know bamboo itself is fine. It's a natural growing thing, and it's gidulomi. It's gidulomi nakarka. It's not makabotim. All uh, all we got that that's all perfect. But if you make it into mamish a mat, so then is that a problem? Yes or no? That's a shail in the post game. And Rabbi First was make on those. Ten lines down. Amar Rabbi Abba Amar Shmuel. Yerukos vegetables sheamru sheamru chachamim adam yote ben yadei chavasa bePesach for the vegetables that one is allowed to use on Pesach for maror the halacha is very uniquely this is a paradox it's a contradiction in terms but let's see what the unique halachic status is of these vegetables and we'll see how this plays out in a moment mevian esatuma the halacha is that if it, it can be maybe tuma maybe tuma what is that talking that's talking about tumas ohel so we know halacha lemaisa that in order for there to be tumas ohel the what, what the tuma is under, the mace is under, has to be a minimum height of a tefach. That's a minimum. If that's made out of lettuce or romaine, we still have a halachic issue of ohel. So it's mevian esatuma in that it's tumas ohel. However, ve'ein chotitzin bifneatuma. While that's true, that it is, it has enough integrity to be considered the tefach at the top to, to allow for tumas ohel to occur. At the same time that that's true, it's ein chotzitzin bifneatuma. Whereas, let's say this roof above us, if there was rachmana litzlana mace, this ceiling would stop the tuma from going up. But if the tuma was made out of this type of dvarim she'adam yotzim and dechavasa bepesach, the tuma would go straight through. So it's kind of like half. It's too much oil, but it's not actually a roof. And lastly, and relevant to us, ten lines down, uposlin besukah mishum avir, and they are problematic if they are used as schach because they are avir. And if there is a gap of three tzvachim from the side of the sukkah until the schach starts, then that wall is not a wall. The schach has to be loved. It has to be connected. Dofen akuma adds. That's a different, whole different sugya. Without dofen akuma, classical sukkah, we need the schach to be within three tzvachim of the wall. This is halacha lemaisa. Avir is air, yeah. And if you put this, if you use these types of, let's say, romaine lettuce, that does not count as schach at all. It doesn't count at all. It's avir. It's empty space. So let's say you have your your bamboo starts five tfachim in, and you have three tfachim of lettuce. That's not a kosher wall. That wall's out. You can't prevent empty space to prevent the tumor from going up. You can't prevent the tumor unless it's a Exactly. So that's exactly how we learned this halacha of sukkahs from there. We saw that just like by the tuma, that the ceiling of, of romaine lettuce wasn't strong enough to stop tuma. Therefore, by definition, it's not strong enough to be schach. It's exactly right. Yes. Uposlin, the sukkah mishum avir. Why? No, it, it doesn't stop tuma going up. The only thing it does with tuma is that we allow the romaine lettuce to function as an ohel, as a halachic ohel. So let's say, I don't know how this could happen. Let's say you had a, 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 a beam that was one tefach wide of, of romaine, the stalks, whatever. It's, it's five feet wide. You have a mace under here and a mace under here and lettuce across the top, one and a half tefachim. That's tuma do raisa. But as it relates to tuma piercing through it upwards, doesn't stop it. And therefore, to your point, therefore, on su- uh, by sukkis, it's not considered to be schach. Okay, next, uh, Sugya, so this is going to dig into uh, the Lamdash the part for today. We're a third of the way down. You'd Gimel Amit Beis. Let's continue. A person who is taking grapes to bring them to a wine press, ain't lo yados. What are yados? So yados is explained as follows. We have a halacha of tuma that uh, the food itself is susceptible to tuma. And in fact, even if the stem, the yad, the yados, if the stem is still in the grape, and some tuma touches the stem, 
Will that tuma transfer over to the grape? Yes or no? The reference of yados is to the stem of a grape or to the stem of any food. The food is always, of course, susceptible to tuma. And we're asking what happens if the tuma only touches the stem? Would it transfer over to the food? So in regards to the case of habotzer lagas, a person who harvests grapes in order to put them to the wine press, ain lo yados. There, we're not concerned about the yados, about the tuma status from the stem. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about this later. Um, and virav menasya bargada amaravuna. He says that if a person is cutting something for the sake of schach, there too, if there's vegetation attached to it, ein lo yados. There as well, we're not concerned about the tuma traveling from the stem to the item. And now we're going to analyze these two shitas and compare them to one another and rank them because if we're, there's a chiddush by one and not by the other. So says the Gemara. Manda omar kotzer kol shekein botzer. According to the newer shita that we saw of Rav Manasya Bargada, who says that kotzer for schach, that the, the stem of that will not, will not generate tuma, then it's all the more so true by botzer, botzer, it's all the more so true in regards to the grapes. Because what's, uh, what's, what is, uh, what's the chiddush about the grapes? What's more unique about the grapes? Delo nichale, by the grapes, we in particular really wish that the stems were not there. Delo nimtzie lechamre because we don't want those stems to absorb any of the wine, that's a waste, and we don't want to waste that wine. So uh, Rav Manasya would be of the opinion that both his case and the case of Habotzer Lagas, we would say that the stems don't transfer tuma. But Manda Amar Botzer She'ein Lo Yados, according to the first shita that we saw in this uh, section, the shita of Rabbi Abba Amar Rav, according to him who says that by Botzer, by the grapes, that we don't assume that the stem can transfer tuma to the grape, Aval Kotzer Yesh Lo Yados, we would assume that there is a halachic issue with the stem that is going to be used for the schach. Because it's better for there for us to keep the vegetation there in order for there to be schach that will actually stay in place. Let me explain. Let's assume that we had stalks of wheat. The grain is at the end of the wheat and the shaft, the stalk, is, is otherwise empty. So says the Gemara, in this case, we really want both pieces. We want the stalk because it's perfect for schach. We don't want to take out the grain because the grain helps to weigh down the schach a little bit. It's probably the heaviest part and density of the whole shaft of wheat. So therefore, because you want both of them for schach, therefore both are important to you. And therefore, yados, therefore the stem, the stalk, can be metame, the grain. So this is, a, 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 again, a, a nuanced sugya in the world of Tuma Vitara. And now says the Gemara that the approach that we learned from Rav Menasya Bar Abba says the Gemara, Nema, let us say a little bit more than halfway down on Yud Gimel Amid maybe we should say, maybe we should say that his shita is really subject to a machlokes tanoim. De Tanya, we learned in a brisa, soche te'enim, uvahen te'enim, branches of figs, and there are figs on those branches. It's vines of grapes and grapes. It's stalks of wheat and the wheat themselves with the kernels in them. It's the branches of date trees and the tamarim themselves. Kulan, in all of those cases. If, says the Tanakama of this brisa, if the, the, the branch part is greater than the food part, right? 
because all of these cases have their vegetation on them. If the branch part is greater than the food part, you're good to go, kshera v'imla psula. And if the branch part is not greater than the food, namely if the food is greater than the branch, then you can't call that tzach anymore because the majority of that is going to be food and food is makabal tumah. And something that's makabal tumah typically is ineligible for being tzach. Uh, so, and that's all the Tanakama. Acherim, this Brisa continues, Acherim Omrim, no, the ratio is not just a question of branches against the food, but here we see that they also include the stem, the Yad. What do the Acherim hold? <coughs> we need the wood to be greater than the stem and of the food. Doesn't this Brisa show us about the Machlokas that we saw in the name of Rav Menasya Bar Gada. What's that? My la yados. The latter sheet of the sheet of Acherim does consider yados. yados. And the other sheet of the Tanakama does take into account stem, uh, doesn't take into account stems, and says the Gemara, no. Lerebi Abba, the first shita that we saw, one third of the way down, who says that boats are lagas emo yados. Lerebi Abba, vaday tanoihi, that's for sure going to be a machlokes in the tanoim, no question about it. But Lerev Menasya Bargada, mi lema tanoihi, it's not necessarily the case that it should be a machlokes in the tanoim. Um, why is that? Because Amar Lach Rav Menasya, how could he say that it's not a machlokes tanoim? Because he would argue seven lines from the bottom. Tikule alma sabre, everybody holds as follows. If a person is going to be cutting vegetation for the sake of schach, and what are they dealing with in our case? Says the Gemara, unique case, and it really goes back to where we started today, which was the Gzeras Otzer. When you cut the vegetation, the branches with the dates on them, let's use that as the example. If you cut branches with dates on them, your initial intention when you cut it was kotzitzin le'achila. Mm, this is going to make for a great snack. I went to Shalvitz for dinner tonight to celebrate my, uh, my sister's birthday. Uh, and great, we had rumaki. Hey, rumaki, there's dates in them. They're very good. Dates wrapped in fried pastrami. Very, very good for the for the arteries. You should definitely try them. Uh, so that there, if the reason why we tore down that that branch with all the dates on them was to sell them to a store to make a dish, then that's for sure la'achila. But what happens, says the Gemara, but then you change your mind. No, 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 no. I know I cut it down to sell it for the store, but you know what? I'm getting close to sukkahs. I'd rather keep this for schach. Can I do that? Once I harvest something for food, it falls into the category of mekabal tumak. It's a food now. So if I have a machshava, no, 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 change my mind. Now it's not food anymore, and now it's not mekabal tumak. Can I do that? That's what the Gemara is bothered with. Says the Gemara, e kotzitz on the achila. I don't understand. If in fact that was your initial move, that when you harvested the dates, you were kotzitz in the achila, you cut them for the sake of eating them. If that's true, my ta'amaihu de rabbanon, then why would the rabbanon be lenient? You don't start eating them. Doesn't make a difference. How can you change your mind? The Gemara is going to mamish ask your question of, can you just change your mind? That's what the Gemara is going to. We do, but the question is, is it halachically valuable? So that's what the Gemara says. The and if you want to say like Danny saying, that since you simply had in mind that I know I started for food, I was going to sell it to the store. Now I've changed my mind. So, is that sufficient? When I started, I harvested a branch that had dates on it for eating. 
And I'm like, you know what? Changing my mind. Can you do that? No. The Hatsnan, last line of Yigimel Amanal, if you are not allowed to change your mind like that, or you can change your mind all you want, it's not going to change the halachic status of that branch that has on it all of the dates. What was your machshava when you started? Le'achila. Good, it's Mechabal Tumah. Now it cannot be used for schach. You had another thought? Congratulations, but it's not schach. The Hatsnan. Kol HaKelim, when a person is making a kli, the halacha is, Yordin Lidei Tumah B'machshava. Yes, it is correct. We could make something into the into the world of tuma b'machshava. How so? Rashi, top Rashi, dibur hamaschil. Yordanli de tuma b'machshava. Mishechi sheyiv alav shezeyehi gemar malachto. I'm done with this kli. So while you're making the kli, it's not necessarily a kli. It's not done yet. But once you make up in your mind that it's a kli, now it's mekabel tuma. Good. Then says the Gemara, the ein olin mitumasan. How do you get out of the status of tuma? Was it with a machshava? No. So what do we see from here? We see from here that your machshava could make something into a kli that's makabal tumah, but your machshava cannot undo that. So bringing that back to our case, when you cut the branch, you had in mind that you were going to cut the branch, it's la'achila. And now you want to change your mind? You're not allowed. How do I know we're not allowed? Because by a kli, my machshava can make it into a kli. I'm done. The kli is done. Now it's a kli. Now I want to undo the status of a kli. You cannot do it by machshava. You have to do it by maisa. And in fact, the Gemara says so explicitly. Maisa motzi mide maisa umiyad motzi miyad maisa umiyad machshava. An action can undo an action and undo a machshava, but machshava just machshava alone, ena motzia lo miyad maisa v'lo miyad machshava. A machshava cannot undo a machshava. So if you cut that branch, l'shem achila. Your machshava of now I want to use it for schach is a completely irrelevant feeling. It is puzzle for being schach because your machshava was already going that that thing should be for food. And that's makabal tumah. And being makabal tumah is a psul in schach. The chitema, oh, maybe you'll argue that this rule that the machshava can't undo it, a previous machshava, the chitema hani mili kelim de chashive, that's only by kelim. Kalim are very chashuv. And there we're going to have a strong set of guidelines where your machshava cannot undo your machshava. But maybe aval, yados, the stems of food, maybe you might have thought that, that the food is different than, uh, than the case of the kli. Klees are, the kli is, uh, is chashuv, and our case is not. Says the Gemara, still no. Here's another machlokas, and we're going to have to figure out how this contrasts with what we're talking about. Another six or seven lines for us for tonight. How do I know that even over here by food, that my machshava of my initial machshava can't be uprooted by my later machshava? Kol yados all stems of food, if you are basisan begoren, you have a food, it's ochlin, right? And you do this process called basisan begoren. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. What does the Tanakhama say? Now it's tahor. There is a way to remove tuma. All right, well, let's, we'll have to see what that is. For Rabbi he says that doesn't work. Now, what is this shebisasan begoren? And what does that mean? So it says the Gemara, uh, two lines before the wide lines. According to the one who says that uh, that uh, we're talking about untying something, so that, that, that's actually not a bad move. If all you're doing in order to uh, to solve this problem, it says the Shita and the Tanakama, where it says, if you're just untying them, what does that show you? It shows you 
that uh, your machshava is pretty useless. You had to do something. But according to the one who says that the word besasan is not to untie, but is to crush something, the item itself. So then you're really, that doesn't make any sense. And then that doesn't make any sense in this brisa. So says the Gemara, okay, that's, a, that's very clever, but I can give you the same response in our case from our machlokas that we had between the Tanakhama and Acherim on the bottom of Yudgimel Amabes, Hachanami, Shebesasan Mamish. Here too, in our case, maybe that was the case, that they actually did a maisa to the food itself, and therefore it's not a machshava that's undoing, it's a maisa that's undoing, and we said that that works. Says the Gemara, Ihachi, if it's true that that's the case, and my tamayu de Acherim, that it can't be schach. We should let it be schach. We've changed our mind now. And we've changed our mind not with a machshava, but with a maisa. We were bosis. We crushed it. We did something different to the item. So therefore, it's not machshava solving machshava. It's a maisa correcting a machshava. And that should work. So says the Gemara, Da'amre kirav yosi. It could be that really, really the case on the bottom of Yud Gimel Amidbez, where the acherim, uh, still say it's problematic. It, maybe it was a case of Shevesasan. Maybe they really did crush it. They really did a Misa, and the Misa should correct the Machshava. But there's a secondary reason as to why the Acher are more Makbid, which was because De Amre Kirab Yosi. They paskin like Rabbi Yosi in the Mishnah that we just had three lines above. It's not Rabbi Yosi Metame. So says the Gemara, wait one second. Last question, last answer. Hi, Mai. <coughs> How are we comparing these two cases? In this new Mishnah that we have at the top of the page, I understand this new case, time of the Rabbi that the reason why Rabbi says that the food is still Tameh is because even if it's crushed up, the food is still usable. And if the food is still usable, it should still be Makabal Tuma. What did Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish say? Because these uh, pieces that are all crushed up that used to be schach, they're still usable in that they can be used with a pitchfork. This was actually a little complicated. I, this was very I, this was very unclear to me. But basically, the Mephorshim explained that these larger chunks of the schach that we're talking about, they were broken up into pieces. And when they would put them on the ground with uh, things that required a pitchfork to throw them up in the air, all the pieces would stick to it, and then they'd throw it up, and it was actually very helpful. So it still had a use, even though it was a minor use. So Be'atar is a pitchfork. There was Be'ruyus L'hovchan Be'atar. We could understand the reason of, uh, of Rav Yossi to be Machmir, because even though it's really not edible anymore, but it still has a use for food purposes. But in our case, what are we talking about? What's the use of it? So it says the Gemara, a very, a very unique answer. So the Gemara says, the reason why in our Mishnah, we're still going to be machmir, the reason why was because when you take apart your sukkah, you were still able to hold on to the edge of the schach just by the straw at the end. That is considered to be chazi. That is still considered to be usable. And that's why we have the halachos as we do on the bottom of Yudgimel Amabez, that the acherim are still machmir, even though we came up with the right answers. But for secondary reasons, uh, because of this new machlokas on Yudalad Amabez, the sheet of the acherim was as it is. Again, a reminder tomorrow, we will not have any shear tomorrow night, correct? I will pre record and post. And a reminder again that Thursday night, we'll be starting a five to six week, uh, seven week preparation for Rosh Hashanah on Thursday nights. We'll have shear in a different location every week. This week was by Avi Stein, either in your backyard or wherever. We'll figure out based on the weather. Um, and uh, we'll still be, of course, doing uh, live on Zoom for those who can't make it. If you'd like to host one of those nights, please let me know. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Can you tell me where 31, 31, 12 was?